Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and leadership. As always, broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, my 282nd episode, we have a great show with healthcare thought leader, technologist, and innovator, as well as a longtime friend joining us, Mr. Mike Mosquito. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you, Justin. Glad to be here. Glad to see you again in 2024. Absolutely. Yeah. First of all, Happy New Year to you for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Happy so, um, actually, thank you. You were just on the air a couple of months ago, uh, but um, you know, I believe you're going to be a more frequent guest. We've talked about that. We when we met up at Health uh, last fall, I think you're just a great um, you're a great voice for our industry. You've always been a longtime good friend of mine. Great energy, very insightful. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this. We're going to do a prediction show on what we've, uh, you know, what we see for 2024, 2025. Obviously, we can't focus on one year because healthcare is always playing long ball. But, uh, but yeah, let's talk about what we're seeing um, in the industry. What we, you know, where we're going to see evolutions, uh, and then, uh, you know, we'll kind of we'll go from there and, and see where it takes us. But before we dive in too deep, where are you calling in from, my friend? Today I am actually in Atlanta, so no Delta, zero flights abroad. So glad to be home this week. Absolutely, get a lot more done. I, I had to travel last week, but I'm uh, I'm going to be planted here in Sarasota for uh, for a few weeks at least. So I'm uh, I'm really excited. But um, you had a good holiday and all that good stuff. Very good holiday. Very good good time with the family. Good time with friends. Took some time to relax and recharge. Getting ready for the new year. Same here. Actually, had a great holiday as well and, and recharge. And that's kind of actually where the thought of this show came from, because I just saw a lot of uh, just kind of see how people wrapped up 2023. But then certainly, what are we all looking at uh, and what the directions that we're looking at for uh, for 2024? So, you know, I'm very excited to reach out to you immediately. Actually, when I started to read some of this and put some of it together, I said, who, who do I want to do this show with? And you're, you know, very top of mind. So, um, you know, I couldn't be more excited. Some of the stuff that you sent me, um, we're incorporating into the show. And so let's just kind of, you know, dive in. I think the first part, and I just released this uh, last week, was just, uh, and you and I, talk, even I talked about this a little bit late last year, was just the evolutions in care management. And, and specifically, my, you know, my biggest area in focus right now is around the chronic care management uh, and also remote picture monitoring, but really how... The federal government did a great job evolving some of the management codes for, for 2024 for the rural health clinics and the federally qualified health centers, uh, but also just overall the explosive nature um, of the codes, but also the growth uh, that we're going to see in 2024 around chronic care management uh, in, in general. So that's one of my biggest thing. I've been working you know, in the industry quite a bit around this, not only to make sure they go get those codes out, but then also just with the different uh, companies and obviously the, the practices and the health systems around getting ready for this. And this actually balances very well to where, you know, I think your very first prediction, um, and I'll let you share that here in a moment, but I, I was most excited, A, when seeing what you were sending me around some of your thoughts for 2024, but then also how, you know, in my gut, I really believe it's a tipping point for chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, and getting this majority of care providers treating their applicable patients with those types of models. It's really, truly value-based care. And, you know, a lot of us have been working on value-based care for 20 years now, 
trying to create these models, but I, I'm so excited to, I finally feel a lot of care providers, a majority that have applicable patients will dip their toe in value-based care. Uh, and we'll talk about that more as the show goes on. They'll dip their toe through chronic care management and remote patient monitoring. So very excited about that. But tell us about your first uh, your first prediction for 2024 and beyond. Uh, and uh, and then kind of weaves well into what I just mentioned. Well, Justin, it's great that you've been spending some time over on chronic care management and looking at how it's going to how it's morphed one from the policy standpoint, but also how others are getting into it. And, mm-hmm. and I can tell you from a standpoint of innovation and technology, we, we've, you know, COVID pushed telemedicine to the forefront, but I think there's a lot of work still to be done there. I think the innovative companies that have done well in telemedicine are now realizing how deep they can actually get into this, into this region of care. And so I would say that one of those 2024 predictions and beyond will be that telemedicine um, and the enhanced telemedicine platforms will be integrating more AI. Um, the Internet of Things for remote patient monitoring will become more prevalent in the home, on the person, mm-hmm. in their daily life. Um, virtual consultations will be, you know, while you're doing it in the home now, there you'll see more kiosks showing up for you to be able to walk into anytime, anywhere, on demand. And so moving it even deeper into the home devices now that are going to be taking taken into hospitals will now move be moving to the home so I, at health this past year i previewed some technology where you can actually monitor patients without touch mm-hmm. zero touch and so those type of devices where you have zero touch um high realization of value to the patient are going to be seen they're going to be everywhere. There's no, there's no reason why they can't because now you've removed the human element that has cost, that has error, and you're able to look at a patient's entire being, whether it's disease management, whether it's diabetes, you're able to see that patient in a different light, but without having them get in their car, scheduling appointments, you still get a, a higher level and quality of care for that patient. So I think that the advancements in telemedicine are nowhere near done. Mm-hmm. I think the innovations that will be seen for AI and telemonitoring will be advanced as we move forward in 2024. And by 2025, there'll be new platforms that will provide that enhanced telemedicine um, engagement model for clinics, hospitals, doctors, nurses, and the patient themselves. I love it. I love it. And I couldn't agree more. I think this is the whole direction around value-based care. It, it sounds like a big, scary word to a lot of people. And I understand that it's, it's, you know, changing payment models, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, you know, I think arguably 80 to 90% of, you know, care providers don't navigate, you know, have, don't really participate in value-based care plans. And certainly these patients don't either, but I do believe what you just discussed around telemedicine and hospital at home. And then also just the, this, these are great evolutions. So this is, like I said, and you integrate that with the care management and with the remote patient monitoring, you are bringing all of this front these are forward. These are very small steps uh, that, that providers can make, that patients can make. And it really keeps, you know, I, I think we've seen a lot of these proof points. Not only does it help them, you know, with finances, I mean, certainly when the increased reimbursement for chronic care management and remote patient monitoring, but also these are value proven models. So you've got yes. it and patients want them. And so you're putting... We're continuing to keep the patient front and center. And so that's my next one of my next big pieces. Um, and I want to talk about some of the resources behind that as well, because I think I love the community health workers that I'm starting to see, you know, really grow and become center stage. But and you mentioned the patient experience, but really seeing how patients are kept 
uh, front and center here with lots of different types of strategies. So whether giving them better financial experiences, you know, to pay bills, and we've got some close friends in the industry that do that very, very well. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, evolving the financial experience, um, influencing patient loyalty through that process, um, offering multiple payment plans. Also, again, these are all consumer type strategies. And so I think keeping the consumer uh, front and center, and what, what I've seen across all the board here is, is it is everything we talk about, everything that I'm seeing evolving is still keeping the patient front and center. This was not a fad. Consumerism didn't just, you know, suddenly pop up in 2012, 2014, 2016, and then go away. It's here today. It started way back then, you know, even, even before that, but keeping consumerism front and center, keeping the patient, patient-centric care as part of these care models uh, mm-hmm. and a part of these experiences, whether it's clinical, financial, administrative, it's exciting to see. So I really think that, you know, seeing, you know, those evolutions are going to be very big in 2024 and, and seeing the success to these patients. So and what would you add to that or what would you add behind that? I would, I would say that um, I am now having companies reach out to me that want to have that conversation of where do I see fit? How, how do their, um, their innovations or their emerging technologies fit within what I am seeing happening in, in healthcare systems. Um, while at Health, I had a couple of CIOs actually approached me because I was doing on-floor interviews with a couple of companies. Mm-hmm. And so my, I feel like that, you know, being a voice, being one of those conduits for technology and innovation in healthcare, I'm able to see some technology that that's working, see where it's working, how it's working, and how it's applicable across not only community-based care, but in large health systems and how it can help that patient population, one, get better educated about how their care can be managed without having to worry about um, transportation, Uh um, without, you know, certain levels of devices being in their homes. How do we lessen the burden? That's part of this as well. So while we talk about advancements in medicine, let's lessen the burden for what hardware is needed to put in that patient's hands for that care. Absolutely. I couldn't, and, and yeah, we got to lessen the burden on the patients and we got to lessen the burden on uh, the providers. And so that actually brings up another uh, point and something I've been talking about for, you know, predicting for 2024, we're going to see consult, you know, continued market consolidation mm-hmm. providers and health systems have point solution fatigue. We've been talking about that for a long time. These very large platforms are really important. It's, they're hard. They're expensive uh, to create. They're expensive to purchase. However, Doctors can't keep bouncing between screens. They want an integrated workflow. Care providers, they deserve an integrated workflow instead of patients. But you really got to look at that. If you have a point solution in health IT, digital health, or in healthcare, you're going to need to find a way to fully integrate that into the care strategy of an organization, into the, of a practice, of a provider, into the patient, or figure out how you sell that into somebody who is part of a larger platform. So be very cautious of point solution fatigue out there. I do see that. As a as a continued focus, uh, just again, it, people are sick of it. They can't. They just can't manage it. And you really can't talk or sell your way around it for long. You can do it at a small scale, but you cannot scale a company with a point solution unless you you know you've really created the ultimate widget. And that's very few and far between. Nine out of ten companies will absolutely fail in that direction. So you know, do keep an eye on that um, for sure. I agree. I agree. That's a very good prediction for twenty twenty four. Um, and, and you see the consolidation that's happening too, Justin. Companies are buying these point solutions to try to um, give them a a beefed up look of enablement and be able to provide more services. But again, if you're having a toggle between screens while under that umbrella, right. what have you really done? You really right. haven't solved anything. Yeah. So as I you know as I consult with 
others in the industry that ask me questions about their platforms, my first question is, well, what's your integration strategy? Um, what's your point and click strategy for the providers? And then how do you manage that when you when you basically built Frankenstein and you're calling it a single point of care? <laughs> oh man, you and I've been along around so long that we know Frankenstein. We know Frankenstein. We do. We've seen it through the decades. <laughs> we have. Absolutely. It usually comes in the form of a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So good, my friend. So the next area I know that we're very aligned on is precision medicine. So give me your some of your thoughts, and then I'll lay mine on. So I think that precision medicine, as we talk about advancements in genomics um, coupled with AI algorithms, this is one of those predictions I think that's already happening abroad. Yeah. The U.S. is going to be catching up to it, to it, but I will tell you over in the U.K. and other countries, genomics has been on the forefront of their um, their healthcare focus for quite some time now. Even my days back in McKesson, I will tell you, we were working with folks over in Sweden on genomics and genomic mapping. And what will that look like now that we've layered AI over the top of this so we can actually gather more information on a vast scales and be able to collect that data, facilitate the personalization of that data and treatment plans behind it. So individuals that have a genetic makeup of X will be able to map to other genetic makeup makeups and solve for therapeutic solutions yeah. and better outcomes instead of being practiced on they will be healed right <laughs> so it's great that we practice medicine but how about we heal some people along the way and minimize those adverse reactions that occur during practice and so i think bringing those advancements in genomics and precision medicine looking at those plans that facilitate um, the patient's needs on demand will be one of those that we see it'll move faster it's going to move faster with ai and you'll see some of that coming out over near future from pharma, big pharma starting to work on it already. You'll see some of it come up in their ads as you start talk as we start talking about um, trials that will come your way. If you sign up for a trial, I think you'll start seeing more of this data come to move to the surface for some of those for the, some of those disease management plans that have been out for years, decades, and we haven't solved for them. I think that this is the time that we'll see that mapping and those algorithms help facilitate that care plan. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you you nailed it with precision medicine and, and the opportunity there and what we have to look forward to. Um, we've been practiced on, but you know it's time to heal uh, for sure. And I think a lot of us have, you know, I've naturally went into as a healthcare consumer and as, you know, as a more educated healthcare consumer, I've actually been able to kind of get out in the front of that with my own personal healthcare to have my, you know, the different type of, uh, you know, sequence mapping and, and also just looking for, you know, different fits of with my genetics for my mm -hmm. care plan. So I've, I've been in front of that probably for about 10 years now, or, you know, eight years now. Um, but I couldn't agree. And it's coming, it's the cost is coming down. And what's really exciting is a lot of health IT and digital health is having this integrated into their platforms. So they that's are. something to very exciting to, uh, to look forward to certainly in 2024, but I would say as we go into 2025 and 2026, it's going to be a standard case for most health IT and digital health. Oh, I think the 23andMe, Justin, have you, have you done the 23andMe? I have, with yes. health? Yep. So as, as, you, as most have, I will tell you, a good portion of the, the world have gone into that database. Um, and, you know, again, you know, I don't want to give the government my, you know, genomic mapping. Well, trust me, it's not <laughs> that hard for somebody to get it. Right. Um, so it, as we talk about what does that look like for the population of the world, it looks like you can now be grouped into groups of care that have a genetic makeup for therapeutic outcomes that mm -hmm. will benefit you. Yeah. So now you can be alerted, hey, based on genetic makeup, 
here are predictions for you that can be now be personalized, like you said, for your own care. You've already taken, started taking advantage of this. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, every single thing that I did with 23andMe and they came back with predictions about, or they questions about my, basically my health and, and then my past and my, my current habits, 100% accurate. So it's been, wow. it's been amazing to see and everything they say, you know, you know, even nuances about my body structure or my thought processes and, and hair color and all that. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's all been exact. It's kind of, wow. it's really, really neat to see, to, to actually run through those trials with them um, has been uh, eye opening experience. Um, so one other area I think is is interesting. You brought up um, blockchain and healthcare because I have not heard that in a while. I know that's one of the ones that you brought up to me. So talk about your thoughts there. Cybersecurity, security, and healthcare is still one of those very big black hole. Mm -hmm. um, while we everyone knows that you know one of the worst places for a cyber attack is within a hospital when you've got a patient on a table um, receiving care live in an operating room, and all of a sudden the records aren't available. I remember, I remember my first Sentinel event um, like it was yesterday, mm -hmm. and I, I I wish that, you know, it was avoidable, but technology is fallible. It's built by humans, and it's one of those things that, that can fail. And cyber introduces a different level of care um, that we have to manage to and, and care of the systems, of uh, the health data, of uh, the privacy, the integrity, accessibility of those records that are needed on demand at any given time. So blockchain offers that set, that next layer of security known and unknown to the healthcare facility. That CISO now has a, another option to start evaluating. Blockchain offers the opportunity for us to look ahead at how do I secure my records mm -hmm. for my patient, how do I ensure privacy of the facility and the patient and the physician? And how do I ensure that all of this technology and data that's in this bubble called blockchain can be managed with the platforms that we have today? Now, you can't rip and replace, right? So blockchain um, and the ability to migrate your data through blockchain, through blockchains, um, is, is key to the adoption of a new cyber day, a new technology enhancement, a new security enhancement to health data management. Data is key. So how do you protect it? You can't just say username and password anymore. You just can't say simple two-factor authentication. Th these are things that have been broken time and time again within facilities and they're above the fold on the USA Today, right? So what is the next level of security? Um, I have a brother that works um, in government security and this is what they're looking at government security has already taken on blockchain right. absolutely absolutely and for those that may have tuned in a little late my special guest today is mike mosquito and as my audience knows mike is a long-standing industry technologist and innovator for emerging solutions um and always so great to have you on air my friend i completely agree with you with blockchain i think it's a it, you know obviously from a security standpoint it's desperately needed we are making progress um one of the areas that I wanted to also talk about and get your opinion is increased m and I think we had the uh, relatively new, the value-based uh, enterprise safe harbors. They came out actually in 2020, but now they're starting to pick up you know, more speed. I, I think we're seeing, we're gonna see more um, interest in value-based arrangements between digital health companies, payers and providers uh, because of this value-based enterprise safe harbor. So something I actually, I, it's been building the steam 
And I think we're going to mm-hmm. see much more M&A activity in 2024. Um, any thoughts on that? I, I think we will see that again. Around the safe harbors, the consolidation again. There were there were large players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those large players are they're scooping up as much tech as they can as they we move are. into twenty four with AI. I think AI is going to change the landscape um, of those large players today. And as we look forward to the provisions that that take care of the patient, I think you'll find it becoming as we talked about just a second ago with uh, with precision medicine, it will become more personalized. I think we'll we'll see most of this care moving down a level from what we see it today. I think the these guys that are sucking down this tech mm-hmm. that are moving into this area are going to be able to enable better technology, better database, and better or better data around patient care. Yep, excellent, totally agreed. So let's talk about robotics and automation. I know that you sent that to me as well, and it's something that I've seen a little bit of. But tell me your thoughts there on for twenty twenty four. Again, the Da Vinci robot has been around forever, Justin. Mm-hmm. Now, you yes. know, when you and I here in Georgia, I think the first Da Vinci robot was in use here in Georgia yes, with was. one of our doctors here mm-hmm. um, who was performing patients. And I think those surgeries abroad, will they will grow. And I think you will see while we have surgeries happening for doctors today, you'll see more automation um, in the in the surgery room. Um, you'll see AI coming better into play with dispensing um, that care. And you'll see drug-to-drug interaction being taken over. It will be out of the hands of the the person in the room, but will be managed based on the care model that the patient's under. And now that will be automated. So again, what tasks can we take off the table Mm. of human care and put into robotic care? That's dispensing, that's knowledge base, um, that's actual physical touch. How do we pull that off of the human plate and move it over to an area that's automated and and cost comes into play definitely. While there's an upfront cost to that robotic introduction, the long-term cost is I am not paying for human intervention to manage these care plans, to to manage um, the care path for a patient moving in through a facility. And so repetitive tasks in healthcare facilities, those are gone. Um, Improving precision um, around the care plans, that will be increased. So reducing the errors, that's paramount for robotics. It is how do I remove the human intervention using known information and data to provide better care, faster care, better recovery for the patient at hand. That's excellent. And I think picking up on this to an extent where robotics will not step in, because I completely agree with you at the velocity, but um, I want to take a moment here before we kind of shift into our last segment around a prediction around community health workers. I really do believe they're going to become a pillar of the healthcare community. Um, as value-based care increasingly becomes a priority for people, our community mm-hmm. health workers play a very pivotal role in bridging the gap between healthcare delivery and building the trust within the communities. We see that certainly with CCM, it's playing out. We need a lot of those resources. There's not, you know, these are these are nurses, but a lot of the care plan and the, and the, and the care work that's out in the communities, these community health workers do fulfill that. And so it's significant uh, and if you you can hear our voices, you know, if you've got family members or friends and loved ones, uh, you know, they're looking for an area to move, go look into that area. That's going to be significant growth in 2024 and feed for many, many years uh, beyond. I live in Sarasota, so we're in the front tip of that spear. Uh, mm-hmm. You cannot hire enough community health workers here. We need more. 
Uh, Florida, obviously, you can imagine because of our population, but that's just the, that's just the tip of the spear. The whole country is moving this direction. So just thinking, think about that tremendous opportunity. Uh, if you're hearing my voice today and you want to understand about opportunity in the future of healthcare, that's a significant area for millions and millions of people. So that's something that we're going to need more of, uh, you know, immediately. But I, I see a big pickup in 2024. So I, I agree, Justin. As you've seen, also. In those underserved communities, mm -hmm. how do we get that care pushed to put to push to those communities? And you've sure. got to have those community workers in place. And whether they're tied to the church or other areas that take care of their population, our 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 HIT day here in Georgia talked about those underserved communities and how we need more community care. How do we get to those communities? How do we serve those communities? How to provide what's missing, which is a doctor, a nurse, a community provider of of health. And understand these areas are not known for bringing population of doctors to them. So right. we've got to get healthcare to them. Um, and we've got to be able to provide that through these mechanisms and these predictions that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And it may be that in certain areas, we're going to have to find how to bridge that gap between human and technology. And how does it get funded? Excellent. I love it. I think one more item for each of us before we wrap it up, about 40 seconds a piece or 35 seconds a piece, uh, is around, my next thought is around behavioral health. I love, we had so much great progress. I just got up a call, my previous call with a, a behavioral health leader out there. Um, the investment going in there from the federal government, although a lot of the new investments that are coming that already were launched January 1st of 2024, but also a lot of the products, the focus on behavioral and mental health is so inspiring. Uh, we, we, we called it, we saw this come, you know, as a crest building from 2020 from the pandemic and then certainly 2021, but now we're starting to see all the policies and solutions, innovations behind that. So real quickly in about 30 seconds or less, what are your thoughts for another prediction? I, I, on that? I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, I met a young lady last year um, at a conference here in Georgia, and she has been a breath of fresh air to me because she's at the forefront of behavioral health. I've got a young lady that's on my communication staff and they both work heavy in, in behavioral health. It is a again. You hear about the community, the the community focused on the police addressing behavioral health right. in their communities, right? Yeah. Substance abuse in play. How do you understand someone if you haven't been trained on dealing with mental health issues, substance abuse, and disorders? Yeah. How do we take those that knowledge base and spread it across the continuum of care for the, all of those that are in in that? care continuum that provide to patients Absolutely. that educate those that are coming into the fold. Mental Absolutely. health is paramount. Yep. All right, my friend. Love it. Thank you for the support. Um, great to have you on air and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. We are at time, but you can please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific uh, for all your shows. And you can track me on Twitter at HRT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustInRadio so you can respond to your comments from the show. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.